This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of The Garden, Frank Proctor, here alongside, welcoming back from her lovely vacation in the Dominican Republic. Yes, Here is Charlie Dobbin. Thank you. Nice to have you back. Nice to be back, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. I know, Uh, it was very fun. Dennis Flanagan did a superb job as usual sitting in for you. Thank you, Dennis, for being such a good guy and being able to just pop into yep. the seat and yep. hang with you for an hour yeah, and we had, keep had the listeners entertained fun. and educated. Yes, indeed. And that's what our our uh, little Part uh, mission our, is exactly. today, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, 908, just want to mention the phone numbers for heaven's sakes. Uh, make sure the folks know how to get a hold of you. Mm, that'd be a good idea yep. since it's a call-in show for the garden. Alrighty. Uh, in Toronto and area, call 416 and if that area, by I say that, if you're out of town, anywhere in the province, you can use the uh, toll-free line, 1-866-744-740. Call early, call often, one question per call. You can always call back, you know. And then if you're a first-time caller, please let <clears throat> Sebastian know. That's what you're going to hear when you come to the air. Get your get your garden wings, as yes, it were. Yes, indeed. And it's yeah. aren't we just very excited? Oh, yeah. It's middle of May. We're on the cusp of, you know, getting on our gardening armor and racing out there to just go nuts. Lots to do in my garden. I know it's... Uh, I, it did rain a lot, I understand, while I was away. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when my daughter was sort of texting me and saying, oh, it's been raining day after yeah. day. I went, well, that must be good for the garden. She goes, it is so cold. Nothing's growing. <laughs> so, good. Yeah, that's true. Shirley and I went up to a wonderful place I have spoken to you about before, yeah. Baja yep. uh, Greenhouses. Greenhouse up yeah. there on Kill Street. Yeah. And uh, golly, we, we picked up a whole bunch of uh, hanging baskets I'm of seeing... begonias, yep. you know, and uh, now it's, do you put them out and leave them out overnight or, well, you know? Well, but that was why I brought up the weather network here. Yeah. So just, you know, keep in mind that we are not guaranteed frost-free just yet. I mean, yeah. uh, it is good to keep an eye on the long term. If it's going to get uh, anywhere, for your purposes, it, like it's those northwest winds yeah. and it's that down near zero, even above zero but near zero, can cause frost damage to tender uh-huh. Very tender annuals. Begonias right. are a good example of a very tender annual. So bring them in at night if we're getting five yep. or less overnight for the next whatever few nights, mm-hmm. few weeks, however however long this goes for. Um, so, you know, coleus, impatience. These are very very tender plants. But meanwhile, you might have some broccoli you want to plant, some kale, some mm-hmm. radishes, carrots, beans, peas, 
kohlrabi. <laughs> Get those out in the garden. They love the cool temperatures. Uh, ah. Doesn't They don't mind if it's down near zero at all. They're just oh. totally comfortable with that. Oh. So different plants, different requirements. And in terms of edibles, remember your, your peppers, your, whether they're sweet peppers or hot peppers, do not go get do not be planting those out until the soil has warmed up substantially. Okay. Because cold soil stunts them and you may never get any peppers in, for the whole season. Into June almost for that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's usually early June before we even think about planting things like tomatoes and peppers into the ground. Oh, okay. Because even if the air temperatures are warm, yeah. the soil has to be warm. Well, I know your usual want is to get to a few announcements. I know, so but look at the time already. I know, but you want to squeeze some in All there, right. maybe we can get some. Okay, in. so just a million things are going on today. So I'll just tell you, today, Niagara-on-the-Lake is host holding their annual plant sale from 9 until noon at the Meridian Virgil Arena. Also today from 10 to 5 p.m. and tomorrow from 10 to 5 p.m., the Toronto Botanical Gardens is holding their annual plant sale. Of course, that's at 777 or 770 Lawrence Avenue at Leslie. Also today, the Scarborough Garden and Hort Societies having their annual fundraising plant sale from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. This is at the historic Campbell Farmhouse, which is, of course, at 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Um, today as well, the Innisfil Garden Club is holding a flower show and tea at the Churchill Community Centre. That's open to the public from noon until 1.30. Kind of a nice way to spend the early afternoon. Sun is going to be out later, I believe. Late lunch and tea is only $5. Remember, the Riverdale Hort Society has their big fundraiser with the worm castings. Right. Worm poo. Uh, the last date to order is May the 17th. That's coming up very quickly. RHSWormCastings at gmail.com if you want to order any or ask any questions uh, about the worm castings that the Riverdale Hort Society puts out. And one more thing, I'm involved with a, a group who are uh, again, attempting to do some garden travel. Oh, yeah. Remember, there was a, there was some hope that we might be able to get a trip together to Hawaii, mm. and some people got very excited, and then it didn't happen because there wasn't enough people excited. So if you're available next March and you're interested in going on a river cruise through um, Holland and Belgium, oh, wow. through yeah. the, it's tulip time. It's called mm-hmm. the Tulip mm-hmm. Time Cruise with AMA Waterways. You could look that up. There will be an information session that I'll be attending for anybody who wants to learn more about this cruise and talk about actually taking this cruise next March. So the date for the info session is Tuesday, March 23rd at the Granite Brewery Eglinton and Mount Pleasant, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'd love to see you there. Well, okay, and we can certainly get closer to the event. We'll re-mention yeah. all of Yeah, that. that's 10 days from now, so yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Charlie, as you know, we are slaves to the clock here. Mm-hmm. It's nine, almost 9.14, so let's take a little break and uh, come back and talk to Richard in West Lincoln after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, here we go to the lines and out to West Lincoln to have a word with Richard. Good day, Richard. Welcome to the show. Uh, Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Good morning. Yeah, go ahead. I have the same question that I had last fall, but I think now is the time for action. <laughs> it involves trimming the yew. Uh-huh. And I've cut off the branch so I could tell you exactly what I would like to cut off. Uh-huh. And from old growth, uh, there's three main branches coming out, which were there, of course, last uh, fall already. Mm-hmm. But I want to trim down to 
the one this 19 inches long, there's another two that are about 13 inches long, and oh. then there's some shorter ones. Okay. But is it possible or the right thing to do to trim that uh, short? If you're going to do that kind of trimming to a U, now is the time to do it. Now's the time. Yeah, because this is the one time of year when we can be quite radical with our pruning. We can... Like the rule of thumb is never remove more than one third of a plant at any one time because it's just too shocking to the plant. But at this time of year, we can actually remove more than one third of a plant because it's early spring. There's lots, assuming it's a healthy plant, there's lots of energy in the root. So no matter what we cut back and cut away, whatever shaping we do to the plant, roses would be a good example. I trim my roses right down to the ground almost so i take away 99 percent of their growth but they bounce up from the root and they grow right back up through the growing season so this is the time to do that kind of radical pruning and ewes are very forgiving they will sprout out new growth from old growth which is unusual for many of the evergreens so go for it just don't do your pruning when it's raining or it's going to rain within the next you know 12 to 24 hours try to ensure that whatever pruning wounding you do is able to dry down thoroughly okay so that's why you told me last time no flat cut yeah no flat to the sky flat no parallel to the ground always a slight angle yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Hey, yeah, great. Th- thanks, thanks for, uh, for calling. calling, Richard. Nice to hear from you. Uh, don't make it a whole year till next time. <laughs> no, oh, I think he's right. I think Richard <laughs> yeah. called in the fall. He wanted to do his radical cutting then. <laughs> well, I love alliteration. Uh, here is Rita from <laughs> Richmond Hill. Right on, Rita. Good day and welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank, and good morning, Charlie. It's me again. No Guess worries, what, Charlie. What? Don't laugh. <laughs> I went into a store yesterday, and it was about twenty-five of hibiscus all shriveled up, and Aww. I felt so sorry for them, so I bought one, gave them a couple bucks for one, right? I thought you could say about all 25. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could if I could save them, but I don't know what to do. The one on top, this one I got, uh-huh. there's about 12 leaves that are very soft and curling, uh-huh. and then the rest are kind of, like me, dried and shoveled up. So. <laughs> How big is this plant? About four feet. Oh, wow. And so it's like a tree hibiscus? Yeah, Single stem? Yeah. Okay, now if you felt the soil right now or the weight of the pot, does it feel heavy and moist, the soil? The the pot was heavy, um, little wet, but not soaked, you know what I mean? Like we water our plants, right? This, this, It feels a little damp, let's say a little damp, yeah. So they've probably neglected it and it dried out and then they realized that and then they frantically watered it and put them on sale. (laughs) So No, they didn't put them on sale. They're not sure what they're doing with them, but they said that they caught by the frost. Uh, okay, so they were outside. Yeah, but hibiscus are pretty tough plants. What I would do, if I were you, um, now again, we were just saying, you know, plants can go out into the nice weather, but if it's getting anywhere close to five degrees Celsius or lower, bring them in for the night or get pump them into the pop them into the shed or the garage. The porch, yeah. Um, keep them out of that strong wind. If we have any strong wind, I know tomorrow mm-hmm. northwest wind is in the forecast. So avoid wind. Avoid, um, yeah, any extremes in terms of weather. But for now, you want to give it as much light as you can. Mm-hmm. And I would also get out my pruners. And I would give the whole plant, all the tips, a bit of a pruning back. So mm-hmm. how far you prune back is going to be dependent on sort of the what the plant looks like. But 
basically you want it to be a symmetrical lollipop looking plant when you're done. So Mm -hmm. you're going to cut back. You could be taking back two inches. You could be taking back six inches. It just kind of depends on sort of the, what the leaves look like. You're, what you're doing by cutting back is forcing new fresh growth. The frosted growth will likely turn yellow and drop off. And you just don't want an ugly looking plant when that happens. You want there to be new growth to fill in where all that frosted growth was. Yeah, they're all green. They're all still green. But they're probably pale. Curled right over like, like dried. Yeah. Yeah. So that, they're, they're just showing that damage. That, but it's not killer damage. It's a light damage to the leaves. The plant is yeah. still in, should be in good shape. Okay. So don't water, happy. though. Let it water. Let it dry out between thorough waterings and get your fertilizer ready. You want to start fertilizing that plant, Okay, too. so I watered it really, really good yesterday in a big bucket. Really try to soak it, to okay. because that's what it needs. Then leave it alone. Leave it alone until it, it dries down. Yep, might be a week, might be two weeks. Depends on sunshine and temperatures. Beautiful. Okay. And happy, happy Mother's Day. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks, Thank Rita. And at 9.22, um, we're heading to a little break here, but just a reminder of some phone numbers, okay? In Toronto, uh, you call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-744-740 to reach Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, here we go, uh, another alliteration. <laughs> Mary, <laughs> You're from, happy. Yes, I am. Mary from Markdale, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. I really enjoy your show very much. I learned a lot from it. Excellent. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I have two hibiscus. One is like a tree and one is like a plant. Mm. But um, they, um, I'm looking at the leaves here, they, and it can happen overnight. They start to turn yellow, mm-hmm. and they have little spots all over them, and then sometimes the end of the leaf or the tip of the leaf turns brown. What's going on? Um, the little spots, are they like raised bumps, or are they more like white spots? No, they're black. Oh, they're black spots, and there's no indication of any insects on the plant. No. Oh, that's good. And you've got them in a, lots of sun? Oh, yes, they're right in the sunny window, both of them. And you haven't brought taken them outdoors yet, have you? No, I, I keep them in. <laughs> So be careful with your watering. It's, oh. it's likely that you've, um, in your care and love for this plant, have been just too on top of watering it too often. The trick with hibiscus is let the leaves, when, when a hibiscus is happy, it's quite dark leaves and almost got a bit of a shine. Sometimes there'll be a bit of a shine to the leaves. Oh. When they start to get dry, the shine will disappear, so mm-hmm. the leaf is quite dull, and the dark green disappears. It becomes a lighter green color. Mm-hmm. If you look even more closely, you'll see that the leaves start to flag a bit. They start to get a bit limp. When you see that is when you water, but oh. not before. So let this plant dry right down between waterings. When you do water, water thoroughly. It uh-huh. might be, you know, five gallons of water to really do a proper watering because you want to saturate the soil. It, it, the water will tend to run right through the pot into uh-huh. the saucer, and you'll think, oh, I've watered enough. It's running right through. Well, but, I mean, this is like a tree. I can't be lifting that about much. It's, no. It's about five feet high. Oh, no, I'm not suggesting you lift it anywhere. Leave it where it is. Uh-huh. Just when you do water it, make sure that you're watering it thoroughly and that there's a saucer 
water or a, something catching the water that's going to run through the pot? Uh-huh. Because, of course, it's in a pot with drainage holes, right? Yes, uh-huh. Good. So that, like, a, a big tree like that, Um, you know, my dad has one at his place in the condo, and, boy, I bet you we give it about five to six liters of water when we water it. But oh. that's every week to two weeks, depending on how much sun mm. is coming in the window uh-huh. and the kind of temperature it's in. So don't rush it. You, If you are overwatering, you will start to see those spots on the leaves. Well, and you know, it's going to happen overnight. It's true. But, you know, the plants are loving the longer days, so uh-huh. they're, they're likely to outgrow any of that damage. Their new leaves will emerge. So don't, you know, even at this time, think about a little pruning perhaps. Pinching mm-hmm. back makes you the know, plant better. You know, I hate to prune them because right at the end, like I've been keep pulling off these leaves, but then there's a great big branch, nothing on it, and then at the end there's buds. I know, but so you I know have what? To cut off the buds. Well, I know. This is where you kind of have to go, which cost-benefit. If you cut the plant back like you, sounds like you should, mm-hmm. you will lose those buds. Mm-hmm. But the plant will look better in six weeks, plus it'll be covered in buds in six weeks. So you mm-hmm. won't just have one, you'll have 30. Okay, so consider a, a fairly hard cutting back on that plant by the sounds of it. Okay, Mary, thanks tough, for calling. A little tough love is needed. There, I, I think, know eh? yeah. people do love their love their plants. Exactly. Well, uh, hey, here we go. Oh, get my uh, bell ringing arm in oh. shape. Yeah, that's <laughs> for a gentleman out there in Gilbride near Burlington. Frank, welcome to the show. Good morning, and welcome to the show. Hello, Frank. Yeah. Thank you for calling, um, answering my call. Our pleasure. Uh, I I have a question about about gooseberries. Mm-hmm. I uh, I grow the red kind, mm-hmm. and I have lots of flowers on them, Good. and lots of fruit. Mm-hmm. And then, when when they're almost ripe, something is eating all the inside of the fruit hmm. and leaving the skins. Hmm. And I'm wondering if you would know what it, what it is. Hmm. Well, that's nasty. Yeah, it is interesting. Well, you know, I, um, Sebastian, our support person there who screened your call, had put up that you're interested in learning more about red gooseberries. Now, there are a couple of good websites here. Uh, looking quickly... Insect pests are a minor concern for home growers of currants and gooseberries. And this is from the University of Minnesota, I think. Where am I? Extension. University of Minnesota Extension. Uh, So... Insects typically aren't a problem. Powdery mildew is your biggest problem when it comes to some of these. So so the suggestions here are uh, things like infestations are uncommon and rarely cause major damage. Damage can be avoided by maintaining a healthy, vigorous plant, which it sounds like you've got happening. This means selecting a site with good soil, ample light, providing adequate water, regular pruning, and removal of affected or dead plant parts and plant debris. Insect pests that may be encountered include aphids. Well, of course, they're going to just be on the tips. Cane borers, which are going to cause death of the actual canes. Spider mites, which are just going to suck juices from the leaves and not eat the insides of the fruit. Fruit worms, which you might have, and fruit flies. These pests are generally controlled by other insects in the garden. Have you used uh, any of the dormant spray on these plants when they were dormant earlier in the season? 
No, I haven't. That would be my suggestion going forward uh, next spring, even potentially this fall after we've had, you know, once the plants are dormant. So, you know, late October, early November. Because often with some of these insects, they will overwinter on debris on the soil. So make sure there's that good garden hygiene. Mm -hmm. We're always cleaning up. But also sometimes they'll overwinter on the canes over the winter. And it is a way to annihilate them before they can survive the winter and reinfect the plant. Um, But um, but yeah, pruning for good air circulation, fertilizing, removing any dead or Mm -hmm. damaged wood is a good idea. And uh, and enjoy the fruit. And I'm sorry you're having issues. But let us know how it goes this season. Yes, okay. I've I've used um, insecticidal soap. Right. And insecticidal soap will kill insects on contact. But if there's something eating from inside the, the actual fruit, then the soap is just giving the plant a bath. It's not actually contacting the insects. So that's your challenge. If you see insects, though, you know, damaging insects, pests, then for sure insecticidal soap should work quite well following the instructions. Okay, Frank. Thank you very much for getting through to us here on yeah, the Garden Show from Zoomer call. Radio. And uh, it's off to Mississauga. Hey, there's John. Good morning, John. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, John. Welcome back. No, welcome back. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I wasn't on holidays like you. you know. I was working my. <laughs> I know you're out there sweating in the garden, but I just meant welcome back to the garden show. <laughs> Charlie, um, I was helping my neighbor yesterday. She has a lot of crabgrass, and what she was doing, she was trying to, you know, pry them out and you know, take them out. And how I was cutting pieces. Is there anything she can do uh, right now, or is it too late? Have the you can see the crabgrass. The, oh yeah. There's oh, little yes. tufts oh, yes. of plants. Oh yeah. Well, the, okay. So it's too late to use the corn gluten because the corn gluten will stop the seeds from germinating. Uh huh. Crabgrass seeds overwinter as seeds on the surface of the soil, wherever there's naked areas in our lawns and sometimes in our gardens. The seeds sit there all winter. They sprout in the spring. And so the rule of thumb is we use the corn gluten Uh where we suspect the seeds are, and that seeds will not grow. So that's one way to control, but it's too late for that now. Uh Only thing you can do now is they are very nice and shallow rooted, so they're easy to pull. So, or if there's, you know, masses and masses, you know, shovel, you know, slice beneath because they're just a shallow rooted little clumps of green. Or if it's really an area that's just solid crabgrass, I would use some of the the herbicide that's out there that's called Path Clear, so P-A-T-H, Path Path Clear. Path Clear, and it is a vinegar-based solution. Uh It is not selective. It will kill anything green that it comes in contact with. Oh, so even the grass? Yep, even the grass. So you don't want to use this if you've got crabgrass mixed in with good grasses. But if you've got solid patches of crabgrass, you could certainly use it specifically just on the crabgrass. Yeah, because yeah. what what we did yesterday, uh, you know, we, we we cut quite a piece. You know, and she bought some um, some sod and 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 mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it, it's. It, it, I told her, I said, it's, you're a little bit too late. I said, well, mm-hmm. what we do now, I said, is just leave it. Mm-hmm. I said, and, uh, but I'm glad you told me that it's, uh, 
we use corn gluten. Mm-hmm. Is it a fertilizer? It uh, is. Charlie? You will find corn gluten mixed in with fertilizer, but it's, okay. by itself it does contain uh, nitrogen. Corn uh-huh. gluten is a byproduct of the corn by, uh, processing industry. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it used to be just waste, and they threw it in the landfills. And then they realized that corn gluten actually has something in it that doesn't allow any seeds to germinate. Uh-huh. So you can still use it on your lawns to control dandelion seeds, which are floating around as we speak. Oh, you're kidding me? Everything is yellow around. Yeah, so they're going to seed, right, in the next Mm -hmm. week, and those seeds are going to be out in our lawns and germinating in the next two to three weeks. So corn gluten is still effective on the dandelion seeds, but it Uh will not be effective on the crabgrass because that's already germinated. Okay, so that... In other words, we use this corn gluten, Charlie, mm. uh, around maybe the beginning of April, at the end of March. The the rule of thumb is use it before, or make sure you you're, you you have used it before the forsythia has finished blooming. So that's the yellow shrubs. So when the yellow shrubs are in full bloom. Uh, typically, the crabgrass is also germinating. So it's one of those fine lines. Get that corn gluten out on the lawn before the forsythia is in full bloom. Uh-huh. Okay, John. Okay, thank yeah. you very much. Thank you, my thank friend. You. Good to hear from you. Yeah, take care. Good You're of you on. to be helping the neighbor. <laughs> Zoomer Radio, 930. <laughs> need John to come help me in my garden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, could, I could use a, a crew. Well, let me see. Where are we heading? To? Oh, to Dunville. And there's Chris. Good morning, yeah. Chris. Good morning. Good morning. i got to say that that fellow that takes the calls is a very pleasant person. Well, oh, there you are. He's it's one of our faves, too. Okay, Charlie, i got a little bit of a list here. Okay. Uh, oh. i got a farm, uh-huh. but I want to put in about a half acre of sunflowers. Okay. Where the big tractors can't work mm-hmm. in the fence lines and stuff. Yep. And uh, a friend of mine told me that he buys uh, for 15 or 20 bucks a bag of the oiled sunflower seeds. Yeah. Yep. And they seem to germinate pretty good at they his do. place, yeah. but uh, uh, I've got it down here. Uh, what type of sunflower? Well, uh, I want to I want to turn around and plant them because it's good for the. Uh, I've wild. got some hives here. It's good for the bees and right. it's good for the birds. But yeah. I thought I could maybe sell along the road here some uh, of the sunflower heads. The cut flower, well, as a cut flower, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that before too. Just at yeah. the end of the lane, put together some some stems and a sign and some jars. Um yeah. all right, so you, your friend who suggested that is absolutely correct. The sunflower seed that we buy, the black they're oil. Oiled. Yeah, to to well it's called black oil just they're not oiled. They are heavy in oil. They have a higher oil percentage. Oh, okay, okay, I learned something. Yeah, and that's for the birds because yeah. we we're feeding the birds and we want to give them as many calories as we can. Sure. So, then they do definitely germinate and they definitely do flower. Now they're not going to be massive. They're not the big mammoth sunflowers. In my garden, when I let them germinate, they get maybe waist high. So, you know, a meter, roughly. Okay, well, what would you suggest? What type of sunflower? Well, I'd be inclined, depending. I mean, I haven't sort of done my research in terms of, you know, what's out there. But Stokes Seeds comes to mind because they... Oh, that's down... Not far from me. Exactly. It's right in your backyard. And they do wholesale, you know, and and so they do large bags if you're looking for hundreds of seeds. Or you you can go with the bird seed because that's, you know, like 20 bucks uh, for 
20 pounds, or, and I don't know the prices at Stokes, but they will give you some options. And if you're looking to do to sell some as cut flowers, I'd be looking for some of the more interesting varieties. Some that will give you bigger heads, uh, like taller plants. Like the Russian bigger giants flowers. or something exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. Something like that that's going to be just that much more showy. Uh, how far apart would I plant them? Well, if you depending on the height, <clears throat> if you are going with the, the mammoth Russians, they're 10 feet tall, so you're going to be planting them four feet apart. But if you're going with the bird like seed. four by four? Yep, roughly. Yep, because okay. you need to give them the now, room. Uh, on that soil, what is the type of soil? What would be the pH? I got a test kit here. Oh, dear. Uh, you know what? Sunflowers will just grow in a very neutral. Generally, we're looking at 6.7, 6.8 pH, so just slightly acidic, which is probably exactly what you've got. Yeah, Chris, patrolman proctor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I've just got to pull you over uh, <laughs> side of the road there. We're getting into several questions. And, and well, it's on the same topic. I, I know, but this could go on forever in a day. But <laughs> maybe, Chris, we, if you want to email yeah. me, that might be yeah. a way to, to get bigger answers to uh, bigger questions. But um, yeah, sunflowers are not hard to grow. And for sure, any well-composted manure, sheep being preferable to horse, uh, sprinkled on the surface, Great idea. Feed the soil, feed the flowers. Let me okay, give. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, I didn't mean to be abrupt, but no, it but was you're right. Going a little, little long there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the phone lines for Charlie. Let's get him on the air again here. 416-360-0740. and then anywhere in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And boy, we're doing a good job of going around the province. Oh, we this are. Morning. Uh, Let- we're going to be talking to Les in Cambridge in just a couple of moments. Can I just, and, yes. before we go, just mention my email? Yeah. Uh, in case anybody wants to email for the purposes of hiring me to do some consulting in their gardens. Because That's I, right. I have had a few calls or, and emails from some of our listeners who are interested in, you know, having me. That's exactly what m- you do. My fresh eyes. Yeah. Yep. Help them with design. Help them with horticultural issues. Uh, contact me through C, initial C, dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Very good. Okay. And we shall return in moments to have a word with Les out there in Cambridge after these words on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Coming up to 9.44 on a Saturday morning here from Zoomer Radio. And, uh, Charlie, I'm thinking of uh, folks like Chris out there in Dunville who has, you know, a a fair amount of property he's been dealing with. And you've got some information that could actually help as far as financial uh, aid. That's right. Well, listen to this. Money doesn't grow on them. Still, the next generation depends on them. Start planting trees. Find out if you qualify for the financial support through the Government of Ontario's 50 Million Tree Program. Learn more at foristsontario.ca. Very good. Okay. Les in Cambridge. Welcome to the Garden Show. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, go right ahead, Les. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm, I'm having trouble with my cedar hedge. It's 30 years old. It's uh, about 7 to 8 feet tall. When I first planted it, I used to be able to get a fertilizer called Cedar Feeder. Mm -hmm. I can't find it anywhere now. And uh, this hedge, it's uh, good and bushy up, uh, oh, about uh, seven, eight feet. The bottom is starting to uh, get sparse. So you know why that is. Do you... um 
uh, trim that hedge? Yes, we do. Okay, so here's what you've got to do. Yeah. When you're trimming, there is a tendency for all of us to trim wider on the top and narrower on the bottom because we, we can easily access the bottom. And yeah. then we're, we're trimming up and it's high and it's hard, so we don't do as much trimming on the high part. So what happens is that the tall part of the hedge starts shading the lower branches of the hedge and the greenery gets very sparse because it's so shady down there. Uh-huh. What you need to do is prune it the opposite. You yeah, want it narrow exactly narrower on the top and wider on the bottom. Normally I, nice I have green. it done and they just do it straight up, you know. Right. So maybe I should next time I get it done to have it uh, tapered uh, specifically, exactly. And look, I just um, googled cedar feeder because I remember cedar feeder myself. Yeah. Uh, it says here that Home Hardware carries something. Uh, well, this was 2010, so hopefully they still carry it. And it was called Evergreen and Cedar Fertilizer. It's a 301010, which is what cedar feeder was. 301010. 301010. That was Home Hardware. Home Hardware. You also probably find it in any of the, the garden centers or home stores. It might be just called Evergreen Food, but it should be a 301010. Evergreen. Yeah, I wasn't sure of the numbers. That's why I yeah, called. That's what you want. 301010. 301010. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks okay, for your call. Les, thanks for joining us here. A happy guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Nice to uh, have him on the show. And, well, let's say get the <laughs> bell out here for Lorraine in Whitby. Welcome to the show, first time caller. Hi, Lorraine. Well, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask about clematis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's already started to sprout, mm-hmm. and it's it's up about all oh, two and a half feet. Mm-hmm. I wondered if I sh- if I'm too late to cut it back. Uh, better late than never. Because if you don't cut it back, you will end up with a fairly straggly plant. If you do cut it back, you'll have a nice, full, dense flowering from 10 feet tall right down to ground level plant. So... so I'm not, I'm not. I'm not too late. Then. You know what? It's not even. It's not even June yet. I mean, it's barely the middle of May. Actually, it's not even the middle of May yet. So you're not too late. You're right. Oh. With all the rain we've had, and we did have some warm weather, the clematis really jumped on that opportunity and started, you know, pushing out its buds. And now the buds have started to actually grow. But don't worry about that. Get out there with your sharp pruners. Cut the whole thing down to six inches tall, straight across. Throw everything you cut out into the composter. Oh, I can't uh, try to root that. You can try. It's very hard. Clematis is one of the hardest plants to root, but you can try. That's how it is propagated. But it is quite, the growers jump through a lot of hoops to get clematis to grow, which is one of the reasons it costs as much as it does. (laughs) All right. Okay. Thank you. Don't Alrighty. be a stranger. Thank you very much. Uh, nine Coming up to 9, uh, almost 9.49. So let's uh, take a little diversion here in order to get prepared to say hi to another first-time caller this time around from Whitby after these words here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, as we've been uh, dealing with this morning, first-time callers, my golly, we've yes. got a whole plethora of them. Here's, <laughs> wait a minute. There you go. That's for Deborah in Whitby. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. 
I have a question. Um, I'm not a very good green thumb. Oh, well. And I acquired a plant shrub. I'm not sure exactly. It's called um, it's a, a blue chiffon. It's called Rose of Sharon, mm-hmm. and it blooms these purple, yeah. yep. purpley. Nice flowers. Yeah, late in the summer. Yep. It's a shrub. Yeah. So I really don't have a place to put this like actually in the ground and i was wondering if i could actually put it in a pot Hmm. and keep it alive yeah and move it around wherever i need to i I guess it it requires a lot of sun it does in order to flower it it needs a minimum of six hours of sun daily you know, okay. it needs to be in that kind of light. So you don't have a place you planted in the ground, but and you're in Whitby. It is a zone five plant. So in a pot, it may or may not survive the winter. The bigger the pot, the better the chance of survival. Okay. Okay. And if I get a, so should I get a certain type of pot, clay, what kind of? No, I probably wouldn't go clay because clay pots dry out so quickly. I'd probably, you, you need something that's kind of half barrel sized. You know, those big uh, wood, um, whatever they were, sort of wine barrels or whatever. Right. You know, they, people, you grow a tomato in it, you could grow a rose of Sharon in it. Uh, but they're hard to move around, a, a pot that size. Yeah. You might find something that big that's made out of plastic, which would be lighter, or resin it would be called, to be lighter for moving around. And you can get little dollies, a little round dolly with uh, to sit beneath the pot with casters on it to help you with the moving in and out uh, mm-hmm. or around in and out of the sun. So, and I do see people do that often. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a backyard where... You know, you you want your plants in their optimal positions, but then you've got the grandchildren coming over or a cocktail party. You move the plants into the spots that are more out of the way so that that you've got all the beauty in the backdrop with all your lovely plants. They're not getting knocked over by by guests, etc. So it it can be a great way to kind of use plants as props when they're big and and good looking. So if you can possibly do something like that, you're likely to find that, the, the you know, it'd be quite a pretty plant. Once it starts blooming in August, it'll bloom right through to Christmas. Great. So it grows about, what, 12 tall? and If you never trimmed it, it's going to get, yeah, 12, 14 feet tall. But most people keep the Rosa Sharon, and you do your trimming now in the spring, if you want to do any trimming. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll do their trimming uh, and keep it down, you know, five, six feet, something that sort of makes it so you can do see the flowers eye to eye. I see. So you're, so about six hours of sun? Preferably, yep. Okay, Deborah. Thank, thank you very much. With that. Yeah. But, thank you, know, you. Maybe she's got yeah. like a, a neighbor's driveway she can stick it in during the day. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like out on the sidewalk somewhere where you can grab some sun. In, invade some space owned by somebody else. Yeah, well, okay. you know, maybe it's a schoolyard or a parking lot, whatever. You never know. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, here's another. Wow, your arm's yeah, getting a I workout. Know. Jerry. You must in, be tired. <laughs> Jerry in Burlington's next here. Hi, Jeremy. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, and I listen to your program every Saturday, and I learn a lot. Good. Now, this time I have a question concerning weed. Mm-hmm. I have two questions, actually. I, uh, I have, and I, be- I looked it up, and I believe it's yellow marsh marigold mm-hmm. or buttercup. Yep. Uh, they are so persistent, and every year I try to dig them out, and now I have whole areas and weeds, uh, you know, the... the um, 
uh, the sprays don't seem to work. Mm. That, so that's question number one. And question number oh, well, two. Whoops. In... Hold, hold on, sorry. <laughs> okay, You've okay. got two. You only have one question. So look at your questions. Which one do you really want? Because you only well, allow one. This okay. No, well, back, basically the other one was just how do I apply uh, like mm. weed? Do I apply it to the leaves or to the roots more? Okay, so marsh marigolds are a native, considered a native mm. wildflower, and you will see them, you know, and I'm sure you've got them around your place, Frank, because you've got a pond there, and, mm-hmm. you know, these kinds of things just naturally blow in and out. So for the purposes of Jerry's issue, I would be inclined, well, two things. One is if you can eliminate the moist areas where the marsh marigolds are likely mm-hmm. happily growing, they won't be nearly as happy. So that's one way to eliminate them is modify your grading so that you've got less moisture. Now, if that's not possible, I'd probably go with the suffocation method. You know, even if it's just a sheet of black plastic over top of those marsh marigolds with bricks all around the, the black pr- plastic, they will die underneath there. And they will not put out any seeds in the process because they are uh, likely blooming now or very, very soon. Um, or to the sprays that are out there aren't going to be that effective. They are vinegar-based sprays. Um, you do need to spray more than once in order to be effective. The more established the plant, the harder it is to get them to actually die. There's a lot of energy in that root, and all the vinegar does is kill the leaves, which then they shrivel up mm-hmm. and die, but then everything grows from the root again. So with an established marsh marigold, you're going to be spraying multi-times in order to be effective. So I, like I said, I'd probably be more preferable to suffocate them under black plastic. Right you are. Okay. okay. Thank you, Jerry. And uh, Natalie from Kitchener on the line right now. Charlie, uh, welcome uh, to the show, Natalie. Oh, we have a few seconds left. Uh, Welcome. Hi, Natalie. Hello. Sorry. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. My question was on Japanese knotweed. Uh Is there an effective weed killer? No, not really. Same idea as we were just saying for the marsh marigolds. You can try, you know, the the vinegar-based... You can also technically use um, Roundup if you're very, very careful. These are non-selective herbicides. What you spray will turn yellow before your eyes, whether it's the high-powered vinegar or the Roundup. You will kill the leaves. But there's very established roots. It's going to take more than one spray. So you're going to stay on top of it. You're going to spray very carefully, only spraying what you're trying to kill. If that isn't working for you and you're just running out of patience, black plastic suffocation. Yeah, it's it's in an area. It's there's no other vegetation I'm worried oh. about. So black plastic, okay. Yeah, black plastic can do it. I mean, you got to keep it there for at least six weeks. It's no a slow process, but the worms can get out. You don't yeah. damage the soil at all, and you suffocate the plant. That's fine. Thank you very much. Okay, Thank Natalie. You so Thank much. you. Now I don't know. Yeah. Whether, do we have time for one more call? I do you don't think? No. Golly. Maybe let's try really, really. All right. Fast. All right. It's a first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> Mary in in here in Toronto. Hello there. Good morning. Good morning. I have an unusual plant. It's a beautiful, I believe it's called clivia. Oh, yeah. Okay. It bulbs like it flowers twice a year. Mm-hmm. I, I need to know how to look after it. I, I, I'm sure it needs some kind of uh, soil. Uh, well, it's you've obviously got it in a pot. It is a yeah. tropical plant. It's, it's in a, a pot by the window, and it blooms beautifully. Perfect. But I've got these like bulb-like chips at the top after the flowering, yeah. Yeah. and I don't know if I should cut, be cutting them off. Cut those off. Yeah, once so that when the flower's finished, it's going to set some seeds. You don't really want those seeds, likely. Follow down that flower stem. Remove it with sharp pruners from where it's emerged from the plant. I'm sorry, Do, I didn't quite understand just, that. The, the, 
where the tip, the bulbs? Yeah, the bulbs are attached to the flower stem or right. stalk. So the stalk will turn yellow, cut out the yellow flower stalk with the little bulbs attached when the stalk is yellow. And just enjoy the green plant till it flowers again. Keep it, in a, you've got it in a great location. You're obviously doing the right thing. Do not overwater, which is perfect. You're getting the flowers. Do not repot because it likes to be over, like pot bound, if you will. So what you're doing sounds really, really good. It's just once it's finished flowering, remove the spent flowers and enjoy the plants. And Mary, we have to run. We're uh, fresh out of time. Yes. Thank you so much, Charlie. Well, hey, thank you. We really are out of time. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.